Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever, assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before. I am your host, Adam Bortress, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Smith. Hey, everybody. We're doing a new thing today. New stuff, man. New stuff. New things are happening here on the Film Find, and we invite you to come along on this here magical journey. Now, for those of you that this might be the first episode that you download, let's talk a little bit about what we normally do on this show. We normally yeah. talk a lot of uh, a lot of new releases and stuff like that. Yeah, basically, uh, we've been operating for two years at this point as a uh, weekly new release uh, review show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, doing one, two, doing three, is... or even four new releases. So you know, big yeah. stuff. Literally, kind of everything. Uh, that yeah. was coming out in theaters. Uh, lately, we've decided to make a change, mostly because we weren't able to do that as uh, readily as we once were, um, where we're still doing new release reviews, but it's every other week. So you're going to get two weeks worth of movies uh, that came out, uh, yeah. mostly the big ones, but some of the small ones as well. Uh, and then uh, every other week, uh, you're going to get episodes like this one, where we talk about a single movie in depth. Uh, and it can be from any time period. Indeed. And this week we'll be talking about the classic Throw Mama from the Train. Yes. Uh, from what was one, the year here? 87? 1987. Yeah, I was thinking 86, 87. 87. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by one Danny DeVito, starring Danny DeVito, uh, Billy Crystal. You got the great, the late great Ann Ramsey, uh, Kate Mulgrew, and more. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was interesting that you would, uh, well, let's, let's go ahead because it may be some time since, uh, people have actually even, uh, kind of have an idea of what this movie's about. So let's go ahead. Let's listen to the trailer. Uh, well, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we could listen to this. We can listen to little Bob Marley. It's fine. He likes more. that. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you just, Hey there, how's it going? Hey. Welcome. Welcome to the show. That's how this light, show works. light up, uh, you know. You know, pull a snort, whatever you need to get whatever, going. Whatever you do. Here's here's the actual trailer for Throw Mama for the Train. Oh, you've got to get it through your thick head. I may be a lot of things, but I am not a killer. You don't have to blow her brains out or anything. Thank you. That takes the pressure right off. She's old. She's got a bad ticker. All you got to do is jerk around a lot when you talk to her. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Lift. Stop it. Aaron, what the hell's going on out there? We woke her up. Nothing, Mama. Who's this? This is Cousin Patty. He's going to be staying with us for a while. Isn't that nice? You don't have a Cousin Patty. You lied to me! Trailers were a lot simpler in the 80s. (laughs) We're gonna show a we're gonna show a clip from the movie, we're gonna throw some music behind it, and a little stinger at the end. That's your trailer. Short, sweet, uh, to the point. Yeah. Um, this movie, uh, when it came out in 1987, had a little bit of a rocky reception. Yeah. Uh, people were not as down with it. Um, uh, basically, the consensus uh, was that uh, Danny DeVito had made a film that was too broad. Uh, 
Uh, it wasn't as biting and as nasty as it could have been, uh, given the subject matter. Although, uh, you know, looking at a lot of 80s comedies, like, this is a really dark film. Um, you know, I mean, the, the basic plot is, is uh, a, it's a redo of uh, the Hitchcock film Strangers on a Train, right? Uh, two people uh, who want somebody in their life dead uh, kind of meet randomly in some way and uh, take on being the other person's murderer so that there's no connective tissue, no, uh, no motive, yeah. as it were. For them to have killed that person. The perfect murder. Uh, and, and you know, watching the movie, it is pretty dark. Although, uh, also knowing, like, like, other movies that Danny DeVito has directed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which, uh, you know, they're, they're very much dark movies. Like, this is a dark guy, right? Uh, even his, even his uh, kids movie, um, Matilda. Which is was pretty, great. Yeah, it's pretty goddamn dark, right? But, like, after this, he makes uh, The War of the Roses, which is one of the uh, great acerbic, uh, completely acidic relationship divorce movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then Death to Smoochie uh, in, in the 2000s, which is pretty goddamn underrated, Um I think as a, as a comedy, a lot of people, but, I, you know, I, I wasn't big on it, but a lot of people do like it. I mean, it, it didn't do it for me, but I, I understand why people like it though. But yeah, but, but I mean, he goes dark and he's not afraid of that. And, and I think this is him uh, as his first feature, like testing the waters really, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Um, but you know, there's a re <laughs> there is a reason that, uh, he, has been on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia forever yeah. as Frank, right? I, I was it, just going to say, Frank Reynolds, I believe, is just who Danny DeVito is in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he, he stated, um, like, in an interview at least once that, uh, they you know, they asked him, uh, you know, how'd you, how'd you decide to do this? And he's like, uh, uh, you know, I, I basically read the script and, and uh, met them, and I said, uh, this is fantastic. These guys are as fucked up as I am. <laughs> you know, so, so, uh, you know, he has that, uh, very dark sensibility. Now, uh, the, the film, of course, uh, throw mama from the train has grown, uh, in, uh, at least fandom. It was a big commercial hit. It did very well at the box office mm-hmm. when it came out, but, um, yeah. I remember first seeing it on either video or TV, you know, kind of a late 80s, early 90s there. Uh, so I, I'd have been like five when this thing came out. So I probably saw it around age six or seven. Uh, yeah, I definitely saw it on TV, I think, first. And, and then pro- I definitely remember renting it at the rental store, the, the video store a few times. But it was good. I mean, and, and like, obviously, we, we knew we we knew who Danny DeVito is because you know he's he's been an ever present guy for such a long time Billy Crystal mm-hmm. same sort of way uh and that was the thing with Am Ramsey is of course everyone you know our age knows her from the Goonies right and I think that was kind of you know that was at least my end it's like oh the lady from the Goonies and then you know the guy I see on Taxi and all the other stuff and then Billy Crystal who's in all the others you know so it, you you got three you know powerhouse people here doing yeah. doing well, very and, interesting and, stuff and this was really like the heyday of uh, Billy Crystal's mm-hmm. stardom, right? I mean, this is 
uh, right around uh, when Harry met Sally. It's uh, 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 just a couple years before that. It's uh, just before uh, City Slickers and uh, uh, Mr. Saturday Night, which was in 1992, right? Like, this is the beginning of his big uh, Real streak, right? I mean, this is right after Running Scared, um, which is also really <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, it is it is it is him and DeVito kind of uh, at their most star-powered moment or, or the uptick in their star-powered moment uh, where they really just go on a, on a streak and become uh, critically acclaimed uh, people. And I think, like, one of the elements that, that really helps with this movie, and it's a scene that uh, DeVito added in later, they had it as a rewrite, was the coin-collecting scene. He's like, hey, do you want to see my coin collection? Brings him down and shows him these just ordinary coins. A couple yeah. of quarters, a yeah, couple of dimes, a nickel, a nickel, and a penny. And he's just like, well, are these worth anything? No. But his dad gave them to him. So this whole great scene yeah. in here and everything, and he's just laying on the floor, really shows, and he's done it in, in many other films, and what, the biggest one that comes to mind would be uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, is seeing how kind of a nuanced performer Danny Vito can be. Because we see him in so many things, especially nowadays, with, you know, like Frank Reynolds and everything, just being so crazy and over the top. But the guy really can act and can do some stuff that's very subtle and very kind of just, you know, in this tiny little box in the best way. And that scene yeah. is such a great addition to it. And that's and that little scene was inserted in there, written in about 20 minutes, they said, uh, from Danny DeVito's, you know, suggestion. Hey, let's replace this scene with this kind of scene. Here's what I kind of want to get across. They rewrote it and did it. Yeah, and, and and you do you do see it a lot uh, with Devito, where like he gets these small moments, right? Uh, particularly earlier on, but I mean he still continues to do them uh, occasionally, right? Like um, when he gets uh, gets parts and things like uh, like Big Fish, or um, uh, fuck, what was. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Wiener Dog, the Todd uh, Solon's uh, film last year. Um, he does get to like play around a little bit, Virgin Suicides, right? Mm -hmm. um, but really, in this time period, he's he's really building his acting chops uh, away from like you know broad TV comedy. It starts in the seventies with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but it really like hits an apex uh, around this time period. Things like Terms of Endearment, uh, he's in. Um, ruthless people, uh, you know, and and then here that scene as well. Um, he he really like man, he can act when he's on. And even you know? something as such like so over the top and broad as as the Penguin in Batman Returns is actually quite an amazingly good performance. I think a lot of people can really write that off as just, be, just being, you know, like crazy and wacky and stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of depth to that character that if you're not looking for it, you probably won't see it. But well, that's that's what I, there. you know, we talked about in the most recent episode uh, uh, during our review of Lego Batman about how that's my favorite one. And a lot of what makes it my favorite one is of all of the Batman films, the performances in Batman Returns really sell those characters. Right. Like, yes, there is a complete stylistic subservience to things that Tim Burton is doing, but it's also just thoroughly engaging because of how good everybody is. Mm -hmm. And those characters like even Selena Kyle, who at least early on in that film kind of gets short shrift as a character, uh, feels fleshed out, even though 
we're really only seeing very small snippets of uh, character development. Right. And but yeah, it's it's something that we that that I think a lot of people may not give the guy enough credit for, but he's doing great there. And Billy Billy Crystal in this movie, like you said, he is kind of at the top of his game for what he was kind of doing. And mm-hmm. this is something that like and I don't know how much, you know, went into it, but his reading of this script is so Billy Crystal, you would think it was written specifically for him. Because it's yeah. it's, it's it's very Billy Crystal, you know, and, and I mean that in a great way. But it's it's very specific to everything that he does, his kind of speech patterns and everything. I'm sure he kind of reworks things from time to time. But that's I think something that's very underrated there is his performance in this as, as well. And the the two of those guys interplay with each other fantastically. Now, I do want to talk about uh, the cinematography for this. So Barry Sonnenfeld uh, was actually yeah. a big-time cinematographer before he was a director. And, uh, and still, still continues to do some cinematography from time to time, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he likes that stuff. Yeah, but very untraditional, this movie. That's something that, like, you know, little Adam, when he watched this, surely wouldn't have noticed. But this time around, this more, most recent viewing and everything, definitely something that took me to a different level of appreciation for this movie is the cinematography work that's done in it. Because they said, while uh, DeVito was good, had some good direction and stuff, the untraditional uh, cinematography by Barry Sonnefeld is what gives this film a very unique look and feel. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's got that very uh, that very distinct look that a lot of the films, even the ones he directs, mm-hmm. uh, kind of have, right? Like, there's a look to Barry Sonnenfeld. There's some nice, really wide wide angle lenses and stuff put right up he on people's it. faces. Yeah, and it creates this uh, this wonderful um, like play between the space of the screen and people's faces. Mm-hmm. Right. And and when he starts when he starts doing uh, camera movement, like you get really interesting uh, compositions, especially around the edges of the of the frame. Uh, And uh, in this film, there are some really amazing POV shots, actually, that uh, like are not overt. Right. Like it's not it's not like they're but it is from the perspective of uh, like Owen's mother. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, from uh, Larry's perspective, from right. time to time, right? Well, yeah, because when and, you're going uh, right back to the where he's like just you know trying to warn her while she's while while she's sleeping and stuff, the, mm-hmm. going right back and forth between the two of them. I mean, again, these are more things that you would traditionally wouldn't. There's so much about this movie that would not be how it's traditionally shot. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of that also stems from a lot of. While, while obviously the the clear reference for a lot of it is, is going to be Hitchcock Strangers on a Train, I think there is also a lot of while it's still very Barry Sonnenfeld, there's a lot of you know Hitchcock inspired you know camera movements and placements and things like that as well. Oh, for for sure, right? And and particularly in the uh, in in like Owen's murder fantasies, mm-hmm. which recur throughout the film, I think there's uh, just really interesting shot choices and uh, compositions. I mean. DeVito say what you will about some of his movies um you know as as far as whether you think something like Death to Smoochie is strong versus not right but like the guy knows style mm-hmm. I mean you watch you watch Matilda you watch Death to Smoochie uh you watch War of the Roses this is a guy who really does 
as a director, pay attention to uh, cinema history and stylistic differences. And as far as like what genres he's kind of playing around uh, in, uh, I mean, he always makes dark comedies, but, yeah. <laughs> but like they have different emphases. Right. And so like death, the smoochie uh, for large portions of that film have very, um, very noirish tones to it, right? Like mm-hmm. shadow play and things like that, because he's going for a very specific feel. And, and here it is that Hitchcockian angle, I think pretty explicitly, uh, which is of course assisted quite ably by like what Barry Sonnenfeld would possibly do anyway. Right. I mean, and there's, there, there's a couple of shots there that are of like, you know, that are straight up Hitchcock one that obviously I think with, mm-hmm. uh, with Anne Ramsey hanging off on the back of the train there, and the yes. little process shot there. Yeah, the process shot, man, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love that old school, uh, like, back projection and process shots. Like, every time a movie does that and, like, is using it for a purpose, I'm mm-hmm. all about it, right? Um, because we we tend to, I think, think about realism in a, in a very distinct way these days. Uh, whereas, like, at the end of the day, none of this shit is realistic right like like yes there is a realism to something like transformers but like it's just because we accept the stylistic whole right Mm. uh there's nothing inherently bad about a process shot it contributes something directly to the film and and its stylistic components so um i i don't know This, this movie uh is also just really fucking funny yeah it's, it's a sound <laughs> like, like I mean, like it is laugh out loud funny. I mean, just, like, Anne Ramsey just playing the old cantankerous woman as as she was off want to do in her roles, of yeah. course. Uh, it yeah. is is just fantastic. Here got an Academy Award nomination for this movie for crying out loud. And uh, let's let's see. I think I think there's a I think somebody loaded up a clip here online. Uh, just a couple of it looks like a couple of just like a clip with her in it here. Yeah. Okay. Damn it! I got a rasp ball in my ear. Get it out. Oh, Mama! Right into her, right, Gavin? Don't start that again, Mama, and don't hit me anymore. You love her. I, there's no her, Mama. You're writing a letter. I'm writing a story for class, Mama. Don't you understand? I take a class. Yeah, I take yeah, a nice yeah. class. And I'm going to be a writer someday. You know how that typing upsets me. I'm sorry, Mama. A writer writes. You're gonna be nothing. You're gonna be nothing. You'll never get to first base. All you do is type, 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 type. You sit there typing all day like a fat little pigeon. You won't ever hear it again, Mama. I promise. (laughs) Mama. I think she got it, silly. I don't know what I'll do without you, I know, Mama. Oh, my little baby. I know. Oh, and as you can kind of hear there as well, also very Bernard Herrmann-esque oh, yeah. kind of soundtrack in there as well. Again, very throwback Hitchcocky, of course. Yeah, and and that score um, by uh, uh, David Newman, mm-hmm. I always want to say Randy. They are related, but I forget how. Um, I mean, he he's uh, done the score for a, a few 
uh, movies. Um, it's pretty damn good. Uh, he, you know, he did uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Heather's. Um, he's kind of got a stylistic uh, known quantity to him. Mm. Uh, he also did the score for War of the Roses, which is uh, quite different from Throw Mama from the Train, but also works very well with what that movie does. But yeah, I, I think it's very important that all this. And then he's all over the place throughout the night. I mean, he's like a he's like a gun for hire for all kinds of comedies throughout the nineties. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so and let's talk. Well, let's because we 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 mentioned it quite a bit. So uh, yeah, obviously the conceit of the movie is Billy uh, Crystal plays a uh, plays a writer whose uh, ex wife has kind of stolen his book and published it for herself. And has gotten a you know great great acclaim. She's on Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey stars as herself, uh, mm-hmm. basically saying, "Oh, I've just you know I've gotten all this fame and fortune and everything. It's it's lovely, and I was able to do it once I got away from my you know horrible horrible husband. He's got a lot of resentment towards her." Teaches a uh, a creative writing course in kind of like a uh, what would you say like a night class college sort of thing? Yeah community college something along those lines yeah it's just a you know probably a, a state school or a two-year school or whatever like making that. some extra cash yeah so some older folks are in there they're taking the stuff dane devito is one of his students and you know they have this relationship that you know he's like oh, look i don't want to you know i want to read your crap because he hates all these people he doesn't he doesn't want to be teaching he wants to have that famous uh you know fanciful life that his uh, ex-wife has at this point that he feels was kind of stolen from underneath him yeah, so obviously right. he's got a lot of uh, hatred stuff towards her, and of course, as you heard with uh, Danny DeVito's character and the mom, she uh, is kind of a she's a real jerk to him. So uh, one day after class, he's like, "Look, go see a movie, like go see a Hitchcock movie or something like that, so you can learn about motive, about character, so you can improve on your stories because your stories they kind of suck right now. We need you to improve on those. Go check it out. Goes and sees it and sees Stranger on a tra- Strangers on a Train." Classic yeah. Hitchcock film from 50, what was it? It's like 55, 54, somewhere around somewhere there, I think. The, I forget off the top of my head. I was wanting to say 51. I don't know why. Uh, that's probably, that's still probably. It is 51. God it damn is it, 51. I'm good. Because 54 is, uh, some, or 54 and 55 is something like uh, that uh, Henry Monda, or Henry Fonda film, The Wrong Man, oh. I think is is like that period. Okay. If, if I'm not crazy, I might be crazy. I'll take that. I'll take that win. Uh, the 50s <laughs> for Hitchcock is uh, is all, but it is 51. Good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, really important that flick. And if you haven't seen Strangers on a Train, go ahead and do it. It's a fantastic movie. But what I like also is that even if they didn't do that, uh, they didn't shy away from it. They literally put it in the movie and really great editing in that scene as well. When he's at the movie theater going back and forth, they could have just shown like a scene from that movie, but going back and forth, kind of what would be in uh, in his mind and everything, the crisscross, ah, no one will know, kind of back and forth, back and forth, really mm-hmm. nailing it home for the audience there. Yeah. Great stylistic choice right there, and also puts you in the mind of this character of like, hey, here's what's resonating, here's what's resonating, and knows that that's what he has to do. So then he goes and he goes, hey, this is what we should do. We should, you know, I I kill your ex-wife, you kill my mom, and that'll be that. Crisscross, you know, piece of cake. <laughs> of course, he goes and kills her, and then he goes, hey, well, I killed your I killed your ex-wife. Now you got to go kill my mom, and you know. Hey, I didn't agree to this. No one wants to kill anyone. <laughs> but uh, and then you know, hilarity ensues. <laughs> yes, it does. Because as we learn, uh, Owen doesn't have any friends. No, Owen's just a sad uh, kid. <laughs> Owen's 
Well, it's it's Owen doesn't have any have any friends. Well, that's because he's shy. No, he's not. He's fat and he's stupid. And that's what's so bad is just like because the thing is, is that at the same time you don't necessarily want the mom to die, but she is a really horrible person, so you probably won't feel bad about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. you don't you don't want to see someone murder someone else, but. Every time you kind of almost like they give her like a little bit of credence, she just goes and steps on it and just is a horrible, horrible person. So you're just like, maybe she should die. <laughs> and that's to me, that's the darkest thing is really kind of also getting the audience on the side of maybe we should kill her off. I don't know. <laughs> well, and also like Kate Mulgrew's uh, character is awful. Yeah, right? she's like, a despicable like, person. She knows what she did. Yeah. Um and, but it keeps getting darker. Uh, the ending is one of the great things, right? Because Billy Crystal uh, ha, uh, has gone throughout this entire movie with this like insane rage about how his novel was stolen. Um, and so uh, they, at the very end of the film, when they meet back up, uh, Owen informs him that he's been he's gotten a uh, he's gotten published. And <laughs> He tells him what what the book is about all of their stuff together. And, of course, this is what Billy Crystal's been doing. Uh, His great idea, finally, for writing the book. And uh, he uh, has one of the best exchanges. One of my favorite Billy Crystal lines in the movie is uh, uh, when he, he, like, starts choking him because he he thinks that he's just stolen his idea again and and beaten him to the publisher like his wife did. (laughs) Um, he, he, Owen, Owen says, uh, Larry, I can't breathe. <laughs> guess that's because I'm choking you, that's Owen. That's because I'm choking. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh my God. Um, yeah. That movie's, uh. But it, look, this is, this is a great thing. I think you guys, I think it's probably easily findable. I mean, I, th- I, th- I got it on Blu-ray for a couple of bucks, man. It's, it's cheap. <laughs> So I think anybody can uh, really check it out. But uh, that's it. So here's uh, this is what we're going to kind of do every now and then is give you a little bit of something, something to think about, you know, a little recommendation yeah. and whatnot. Uh, the next one of these that we're going to do after we review some other movies. Uh, it's going to be in two we're weeks. In two weeks. Uh, we're going to be uh, reviewing. It's available on uh, HBO uh, Go or uh, mm-hmm. what's the other one called? HBO Now or is it now? And I'm sure it'll be airing know. on HBO periodically because I think it just came out in mid January. So yeah, it's, like it, it premiered mid January on okay, HBO. So yeah. it should probably just be playing a few times uh, between now and. But it's called Beware the uh, Beware the Slenderman, right? Or is it? Uh, yes. Slen- uh, yeah, I always. <laughs> be, beware the splint, the I'm, slender man. I'm so be, shit. Beware with that. the splinter man. The splinter man who comes in and just puts a horrible sweetener inside your drink, and you're like, yeah. I didn't ask for that, asshole. Yeah, I did not ask for this uh, saccharine sweetness. Gross. Sir. It is gross. At least it's not aspartame. I guess. Yeah, that's true. No, you won't get my aids or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> splinter man less offensive than uh, aspartame man. That's true. Aspartame man causes lab cancer in mice. Uh, <laughs> lab cancer. Lab cancer. <laughs> Shut up. I was just hoping we could sail right over that. No one would be the wiser. Thanks, asshole. Uh. <laughs> but uh, we'll be talking about Beware the Slender Man. And let me tell you, it's very, very interesting. For those of you that haven't seen it, it is, uh, it's something to behold. So uh, we'll be talking about that week after next show. So hopefully you guys have liked this. If you have any uh, 
suggestions, anything that you'd like us to cover, anything that you would think that would be of important that we've missed, uh, be it a new release, be it an old classic kind of thing, that's what we're here for, man. We want to hear more stuff from you guys about that, so hit us up at thefilmfind at gmail.com. Matt, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, you can follow my Tumblr, uh, which I do update probably about once a week with uh, new writing, but also kind of just have some stuff going out all the time. Uh, it's conspiracymediatheory.tumblr.com. Uh, for the adventurous soul who uh, does not want to just hear about <laughs> movies and mostly not hear about that, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. All right, very good. And, of course, my other podcast, Hero Movie Podcast, HeroMoviePodcast.com. Nerd Talk Now. Look us up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Nerd Talk Now. Uh, Preacher coming back in not too long, man. They're shooting that, you're shooting down in Louisiana as we speak. So excited yep. about that coming back next year and everything. Uh, or this year, later this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it'll be uh, before we know it. Yeah, it's going uh, to come fast, man. And, uh, you know... If it's anything like the first season, I'll be coming fast too. All right, thank you, everybody. Yeah, I don't think they've. I, I don't think they've aired, They've uh, given it a firm uh, release date, but uh, if it's anything like last year, it'll be probably late May, uh, since it'll probably be yeah. um, right around the mid-season break for uh, uh, Fear the Dead. Walking Dead again. Yeah. All the all the Walking Deads. There'll be another Walking Dead before you before you know it. You watch. Uh, that is it, everybody. So uh, join us next week again for some more new releases, and we'll be back again in two weeks with one of these. For Matt Smith, I'm Adam Fortress. Take it easy, everybody. So he's leaving the life. He's come to me. He said he's going back